You remember last week, and I'm, while we're doing this, if I can get a couple of you to pass these out. Um, we mentioned last week, and I'm not going to get you to raise your hands because I won't put you on the spot. But, but Ed, would you take and put up Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12? Last week, I mentioned that if you would pray and ask the Lord what grocery line you would get in, you should get in, if you remember, or if you're in Walmart, wherever you may be, if you're out in the community, and ask the Lord where, which line you should be in and see if the Lord, if you sense God sort of nudging you in a particular direction. And then as you uh, get up there, ask the, the, uh, someone that maybe God kind of prompts your heart to, uh, to do, to, to prompt. Did you get one? And the prompt, see whether or not you're prompted to come up to somebody and say something like this. You know, um, God has uh, put prayer on my heart to pray for people. Do you have a prayer need? that maybe I can pray with you about some particular thing that you'd like prayer for and see what they say. Uh, and uh, Or you could ask them, I've been thinking some a little bit more about God recently. How about you? And see if some type of conversation can, can start regarding uh, your relationship with Jesus. See what the Lord does. You know, be bold about it. Be courteous, but also be bold about it. And, uh, and I won't ask you to raise your hands to do it, but maybe I'm going to keep this before you, okay? Because we're to make an influence in the community. And the only way that will happen is by you and me sharing our faith out beyond these four uh, walls that we come on Sunday morning. So be aware of that. I'll keep that before you. We have opportunities. And as you step out in faith, God will give you more opportunities this morning. Once he sees that you will follow what he tells you to do, then he'll give you more opportunities. And I want to tell you the truth about it. You'll be blessed beyond measure, too. Thank you. Everybody get two sheets. They're different. Two, two sheets, two pieces of paper, two sides on each one. I want to talk about worship. Turn to Matthew chapter 2, and Ed's put it up here. This is one, probably one of the most, if not the most important subjects that I can speak on. In uh, my mentoring uh, with a, a group of pastors once a month, I try to come back and and uh, impart what I have learned and what God is doing in my life. I will share with you. I always do that. Whatever God is saying to me, uh, I will, again, we give it away. In other words, God gives us something. What do we do? We give it away, right? We give it to others. We have the privilege of doing that. And this is what this is all about. Worship, most important. That's why we come. I'll talk to you about some things, corporate worship, but also individual worship and the wonderful blessing that it is to encounter the presence of the Lord. Amen. Let's read it together. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem, all the way to 12, and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. And when he had called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who is, will be the shepherd of my people Israel. 
And then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child, and as soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. And after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Thank you, Lord, for your word, your truth. Thank you, Lord, that you sent Jesus into this world. We thank you, Lord, today that you're doing great and mighty things amongst your people and in this place, this earth, all over the world, dear God, a move of your spirit, and we give you praise. We ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would teach us how to worship. We ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would come and, and just, uh, again, reveal Jesus to our hearts. We know the truth, and the truth will set us free. We thank you, Lord, for your presence in this place now. We thank you for the mighty things that you're doing, your awesome works, your hand of miracles, and, Lord, your presence in this place. And, Lord, today we just ask you to speak to us. We need to encounter you. Lord, we need more than just going through a ritualistic worship service. We want to encounter the living God, and we'll praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We'll go through here on this. The first one, worship is powerful. I'm going to go through and I'm going to talk about each item and then we'll go over to the importance of worship. I want to explain to you, it is very important in what's going on. I believe God is looking for worshipers. He's looking for people to worship Him. I believe He's looking for people that want to just praise Him and worship Him. And so the question is, are we worshiping? Are we truly moving towards the Lord? Because when you get close to Jesus, something happens, okay? When there's a relationship with Jesus, your life changes. You're transformed by His power and His presence. But it's in the presence of the Lord that you're transformed. And so that's what we want to talk about today, in the presence of the Lord. I want to say right off, a lot of people today will stay out of church because emotionally they don't feel right. I'm not talking about if you're sick, then you need to stay at home, obviously. And I'm not at all saying anything about that. But sometimes, just, uh, you know, we've had a rough week and we kind of want to say, well, I've just got to prop my feet up and do this and that. Let me tell you, you're missing out. People miss out. Because many times I've told you in the past that, you know, I, I would get up in the morning and I worship the Lord. I have a time where I get before the Lord and, and worship the Lord. But sometimes I don't necessarily just like feel like it. I don't have the goosebumps like sometimes I do have. And, and, all, and I'm on my way here, and by the time I enter in and I get around you folk, let me tell you, I'm ready to worship. I'm ready to praise my King and, and Lord Jesus Christ. I'm ready. So something changes. Something happens. But when we stay out of church, then something, obviously, you do not get the benefits of, of the fellowship of people and the presence of the Holy Spirit. He's here. He moves amongst us. He speaks to our hearts. It's very important about this, and I want to sh share with you about it because worship is powerful, obviously. I believe there wouldn't be anyone here 
that would tell me they do not want to deepen their worship with God Almighty. I don't think anybody in here does that, because isn't that true? None of us in his place would never say, I don't want a deeper walk with Jesus Christ. And the reality of that, as we explain it, I know none of you in this place would say, hey, I don't want all that God has for me. You would never say that, would you? You see, the more of God is so powerful. And when you begin to, uh, to taste and see that the Lord is, God, is good, and that's the scriptures. When you begin to, to walk in the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit, it just can't be any better than that, let me tell you. And you say, yeah, Jim, but you're the preacher. <laughs> you got to be here and so forth. Oh, well, let me tell you, I'd be right here if I was not the preacher. And if I was not, I would be because I know that where the presence of the Lord dwells. Now, he's with us always and he's omnipresent. But I'm going to talk to you today a lot about the manifest presence and the imminent presence of the Lord. And that happens when God's people gets together. You can kind of sense there's an awareness of the Lord. And some people say the presence of the Lord was so, so powerful here. You kind of, and with all respect, could cut it like a knife and all. You know, the heaviness of the glory of God. And that's so important that you and I enter in because in the full, obviously in, in the presence of the Lord, the Bible says in Psalm 16, is the fullness of joy. Let me give an example. I like Chick-fil-A chocolate milkshakes. Y'all like those? I think they're one of the best milkshakes around. I love Dairy Queens too, don't get me wrong, but I love Chick-fil-A's uh, chocolate milkshakes. Most of the time because I'm diabetic and, and all, I, I, I like the taste of something sweet and I don't drink them that often, but normally I will get the small Chick-fil-A chocolate milkshake. And oh my goodness, it's so good. You know, and during the summer, they have the peach milkshakes. Try it. If you've never tried it, you love it, okay? I'm not saying, if you're diabetic, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm not your doctor. But don't, you know, don't miss out. But I'll drink that small chocolate milkshake, and then, obviously, I'll go, man, I wish that I'd gotten a large. <clears throat> do y'all ever feel that way? I wish I, this is so good, and it's so good. Isn't that the way God is? When you begin to taste, when you begin to experience the Lord, when you begin to encounter Him, and that happens many times in our worship services. You know, we, we come in this place, and really the reality is, it's something that we, the, the vision, and I guess if you use the word goal is, is that you don't leave this place the same way that you came in, okay? Burdens are lifted at Calvary, that old quartet song. No gospel quartet. Burdens are lifted. So when you come in and you experience the presence of the Lord, and that's why it's so important is, you see, this worship is not about me. It's not about whether or not I sing on key or off key. And, uh, you know, obviously, it's about God. It's about coming and proclaiming the praises to God Almighty. Because obviously we do not allow or stop worshiping the Lord because of the things that are wrong about us. We worship the Lord because of the things that are right about Him. Amen? Isn't that good? Because that's the way it is. Because so often we come in and we've been through a week, it's been drudgery and so forth. When you come in to worship the Lord, there's something powerful that happens. And if you have an open heart and you're asking God to touch you, 
that I want to tell you, be ready for it. So the first item here, look at it, depending or deepening our worship. Our worship services aren't times where myself, this is as the staff, designs in order to get people to come to church. Corporate worship services are our times to come and meet with God as a family of faith. That's what I'm saying. We are family. Jesus' blood flows through us. We come together as a family of faith to meet together and, and to, to meet with God. What each of us brings, what each of us does, how each of us responds to God will determine how high our worship penetrates heaven and how deeply heaven then penetrates and permeates our souls and our church. How we respond when we come together and we have an attitude, we have a, a heart of expectancy that God is going to touch us. Can you imagine, I don't know how many are here today, but if all of you just came and you said, I'm going to worship today and I'm going to seek the Lord because I believe God is up to great and mighty things today. How many of you believe that somehow when that penetrates your heart, obviously, it's like it moves heaven, okay? It's very powerful. And we'll see that over the next two weeks. Because what I want you to do is keep your paperwork for next week because I won't be able to get through all of this in one week and we're talking about it. What happened when the Magi, they were magicians, remember? They were magicians and it took them. They probably did not come and see the child, Jesus, until he was, what, two and a half years old, maybe two, two and a half. It took him a long, long time. But when they came into the presence of the baby, what did they do? Some translations said they fell in the presence of Jesus. They fell down and worshiped him. Why was that? Out of reverence, definitely. But I believe it was the power of God that actually caused them to fall on their faces before God, okay? And so we see that it penetrates heaven and how deeply heaven then penetrates and permeates our souls and our church. This is about... Jesus, this is about God Almighty. It's about the Holy Spirit of God. But He has chosen to bring us together under the banner of love, Jesus, but under here at Lighthouse Fellowship. All of you feel called to be here, or more than likely you wouldn't be here. In one way or another, it wasn't just necessarily tradition you're here, because if you look behind the scenes, it was because God ordained that you be here. His Word being preached is not about me, Obviously, I, I study and, and I prepare and so forth, but it's not about how well all of that's done. This is about God. It's about encountering the Lord. It's about, obviously, the manifest, imminent presence of the Lord. The second item here is if we will hear and respond to what God wants to say to us, we can deepen and purify our worship so that God might dwell in increasing power a presence and power. If we will hear, God still speaks. He speaks through His Word. He speaks by the still small voice. He speaks through impressions. He speaks through other people. If we will hear the Lord and then respond, and you think about it here, because this church is a mighty army. This church is being prepared for something so great. We're all in a preparation mode. I believe the bride of Christ that we talked about in Revelation 19, we talked about that, the bride making herself ready. We are the bride of Christ. We're being prepared for something very, very big. 
God was, I believe, impressing on me this morning about what's happening here. It's like an explosion. Things are beginning to turn. The Spirit of God is moving in this place because He loves His people, not because of anything we do. But let me tell you, we honor Him and we, we worship Him because of who He is. I remember last week I said, you know, well, we've got an audience here. We've got an audience of three. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And then all of the angelic beings and all the creatures, all the, there in heaven, we are worshiping around the throne of grace. Think about what heaven's going to be like, can you? Can you imagine? You know, Mercy Me has that song, I can only imagine, and I love it. What will we do in His presence? Will we fall down in worship? Will we, we stand still and not be able to say anything? Will I dance in Your presence, Lord? Think about that. Why shouldn't our worship services be in a, prep, a preparation for that time when we go to heaven? Why shouldn't this time be able to, to sense the manifest presence of the Lord? Let me tell you, uh, it, it, His presence is awesome. The glory of God. I mean, it's kind of like uh, you're saying, Lord, I just want to be in your presence all the time. I want to be in the presence, the manifest presence of the Lord 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But if we'll hear as a group, as a, as a body, because we're all family, right? We've established that. If we'll hear and respond to what God wants to say to us, then I believe he's going to bring us closer and tighter together so that his spirit can be poured out upon us. And then that next point is exactly where I'm headed. In Exodus chapter 25, verse 8, and then have them make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them. God is looking for a place to dwell. Now, you as Christian believers, you know that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Okay, we are. In other words, God's Spirit has come to reside in our spirit. And so we are the temple, but God is looking for a place. And that word dwell, I believe, is even a deeper level. He's looking for a place to dwell. He's looking for a place, a people, a church that will welcome him in to come in to dwell, and that is to stay. A place where you've heard the word, and I've used it before, where he tabernacles with us, where he dwells with us. But let me tell you, you and I have to really obviously focus on the fact of how important worship is. You know, in Revelation chapter 3, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man would open and allow me to come in, then I'll sup with him and he with me. Many, many believers, and me and my Baptist background, believed it all these years that that was obviously for an unbeliever. And I believe it is, but I believe it's for the church. I believe Jesus is standing at the door of the church and knocking and saying, let me in, let me back in. And when we open the door to Jesus, something happens. You see, you and I are not changed because obviously we get more information. We're changed because we've encountered God. And God touched me years ago, and He touches me continually over time periods and different, different uh, uh, I guess, levels of strength and power. He touches me. He changes me. He transforms us because He doesn't want us to stay the same. He's making us more like Jesus. Jesus was compassionate. Jesus went around praying for people and healed people and, and all of this. And we're ambassadors of Christ. 
We're to do what Jesus has done, not because of us and our own strength, but because of the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within us. We, none of us would disagree that we are His hands and we are His feet, and we're to go forth and, and march back in, into battle. But He's looking for a place where He can dwell, a place that He feels comfortable. In other words, what He's doing in that process, He's getting the weeds out of your life and my life. Isn't that great? You know, I got weeds grow up. You know, when you garden and all that, if you don't tend that garden, then weeds will start growing up. And, and you got to get out there and dig those weeds out because you don't want the weeds. All the weeds will, will do is snuff out the uh, vegetables or whatever you're growing there. It's the same way with us. He's getting the weeds out of our lives. He's getting those sin, that stuff out of our lives that only His Spirit can do. But you and I cooperate with Him. And so he's preparing us in that purity, a place. He's saying, look, I, I, I don't want, you know, if you're bickering too much or complaining too much, he's like, I don't want to come dwell with you. I want a thankful people. I want a people who, gives, who give me praise at all times, no matter whether or not it's good circumstances or whether or not it's bad circumstances. And so he's pruning us. He's like the refiner's fire. He, he turns it up to get rid of the dross so that we're pure before him so he can have that place where he can dwell. He's looking for that because we know that obviously when we're worshipers of him and we're inviting him in and we're around the throne of grace and we, we worship in that manner, God is pleased. The next item, number one, Jesus tells us in John 4 that God is seeking worshipers. It's Really, some mysterious and yet concrete way, God constructs the dwelling place through and in worshiping people. One aspect of worship has to do with God's dwelling. Let me read that again. God constructs His dwelling place through and in worshiping people. If God is looking for a place to dwell then you and I need, obviously, worship. We need to know more about worship, not just for information, but experientially that God would, would somehow operate in our lives. This morning I was, yesterday morning, and, and this morning I was sitting there, and yesterday morning, and I like, I'll turn the news on, drink coffee, and I could sense the Spirit of the Lord, His presence. I could feel His presence. And it was like he was saying to me, you need to cut the TV off. And you need to right now sit before me. And so I did. I cut the TV off. And I said, Lord, come, Holy Spirit. I want to have intimate communion with you. I want to know you, and I want you to know me. I want you to know every intimate detail about my life. I know you already know that because you're God. But I want to be able to tell you about it. I want to tell you how much I love you and how much I long in your presence to be there and to walk with you. And, and I just sit there. I sit there. Now, y'all try this. Maybe a spiritual discipline for all of us. See how long you can sit there before you start thinking about things you've got to do or maybe the interruptions that come. Think about those things that go on because that's the first thing you do. I'll go, well, um, you know, I'll, I was thinking, well, you know, I could sense the presence of the Lord when that happened. I said, come, Holy Spirit, and rest on me. And what happened was he began to just fill my heart with joy, experiential joy, and a smile came on my face. 
I could tell this was happening. I'm telling you in detail what happened to me. And the Spirit just ministered, and I just sat there. I stopped talking for a moment. I just stopped, and I could sense His presence and His power that came, and almost like it filled my body. And I just sat there. He wants that time with you and me. And so I'm saying, when we get prepared for worship, and we're worshiping all through the week, when we come in here on Sunday morning, then we're prepared, obviously, to encounter Him. But most of the time, what happens is, is that we'll sit there for a moment, maybe we'll kind of mutter a couple of prayers. Nothing wrong with that. But if you want to experience the Lord, it takes a little time. And so, obviously, you can start with 15 minutes or less or whatever. So, again, this morning, I was sitting before the Lord, and the Lord came on me again. The Holy Spirit just came on me. And I began just, just the old Quakers quaking, quaking, just shaking, just began to shake. And I could tell, and I just began to... Just talk to the Holy Spirit that was there. He's here right now. We encountered Him. And I wept a little bit. I wept. And then it, there was a peace that came over me. And so I went on, and I knew I needed to get ready for church. And so uh, I, 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 after a while, I just felt like, you know, uh, Lord, this I just sit here all day long like this. And then I said, I better look at the time. And 30 minutes had gone by, and it felt like a couple of minutes. When you're in the presence of the Lord, time holds no essence. And time doesn't matter to you. Because one day, we're going to spend eternity in the presence of the Lord. Don't you know that God wants you to experience Him in that manner today like that in different ways? And so during my teaching a couple weeks ago and mentoring, the pastor that mentors us, and I think it was 17 people, pastors in the room, some HPD officers and so forth. And I asked the question, I said, is it wrong for me to hunger and thirst for the manifest presence in my life 24 hours a day, seven days a week? Is that wrong? And he said, no, it's not wrong. And I said, I know, obviously, that we're not to seek an experience, we're to seek God. But when you seek God and when you lay your life before Him and you're willing to wait on Him, just as I've mentioned, just sit and have communion with Him, then God is an experience. And we're not to necessarily take an experience somebody else has necessarily, although we may want that. We're to seek God. But He'll give you an experience if you'll sit there because He wants us to encounter Him. You know why I say all this? It's because I believe we're in a preparation mode that I've talked about for a move of God's Spirit. I want people to be not necessarily that God is not a surprise and He's not mysterious as is said in His way and He can do whatever He wants. But I want you to know today there is more of God that we have not experienced. Amen? There is more of God that I'm hungry for. I want His presence 24 Seven. I want to walk in His presence today. I believe we're being uh, prepared to be able to walk in His presence in that way. Is that too far-fetched? I don't think so. Not according to the Word of God. Not according to who God is. We talk about Him. We sing about Him. Our God is an awesome God. We sing about Him. We glorify His name and so forth. Why not? Why has the Western church not experience God the way that other, maybe other countries around the world have experienced Him. 
I believe it's because obviously we don't hunger and we don't thirst. And we've been taught that we don't want to carry this thing with Jesus too far, you know. You don't want to get radical about Jesus and love with Jesus Christ. You know, come on now. Keep it a religious thing. Keep, I mean, contain this thing that God is doing. You remember when I went to Ecuador a couple years ago? It's been two and a half years ago now. We sat in the presence there in the pastor's uh, dining room in the presence of the Lord for, I don't know, hours and finally came out of it, just the presence of the Lord came down in the glory of God and set, and I looked, and I sat in His presence and just basked in His presence. And the Lord was ministering to me and to Monica and Nicole, and we just sat there. We didn't budge for, for those uh, two and a half hours, I believe it was. Never budged. And it seemed like I didn't know how long we'd been sitting in, in the, His presence, but when we looked up, we looked at the clock and said, we've been sitting here in the presence of the Lord for two and a half hours and never moved. And, and, and Monica's daughter, Nicole, said, Jim, the Scripture, taste and see that the Lord is good. Hallelujah. Taste Him. Experience Him. The, the Western church has kicked experience out. We more or less are intellectualizing things and we go, well, the more intellect I have, and, and I rationalize this thing, and, you know, all, all these things. But, but when God comes, the Bible, He is a mystery. He's mystical. What's that mean? He is a mystery. God is God, and we are not. God wants to show Himself to His church again. And Jesus is standing at the door knocking. And the question is, we... And individually and corporately, are we going to open the door to him and say, come on in, Jesus, and you do whatever you want to do? You see, that's where we are today. Do we want God more than we want the approval of man? Do we want these God's presence in our lives? Certainly. Let's move on. Worship, here we go, and is not merely some religious ritual we participate in because it's good and right. It is a mystical activity through which God builds His dwelling place. Church is not about filling buildings with people. It's about filling people with God, okay? You know, if we would, if, I'm telling you, when the Spirit shows up, let me tell you, if we've got a whole bunch of people in here, or whether or not we've got just a handful, let me tell you today, there's a power in His presence. He transformed you and me. This pastor was telling me about something that happened, and I knew the story of this. I did not participate with in this particular experience that they had, but this was back in 1987. And uh, his name is Steve, and, and, all, and they were up there. And Steve came to open the Bible and bring the Word of God and so forth as the pastor. And evidently, he couldn't say anything. And he looked at the associate pastor, and he said, Jeff, do you have anything to say? Do you have anything? And immediately, Jeff fell on the floor and began to weep, weep. And before the, the 500 people that were in the congregation began to fall on the floor and weep in repentance for their sins, asking God to forgive them. And over that period of time that the Spirit of the Lord descended on them, they were on the floor weeping, crying out to God to have mercy and to save them and to forgive them of all their sins, known sins, unknown sins, things that besetting sins that were there uh, in the people's lives. 
And they stayed, the presence of the Lord stayed till after two o'clock in the morning and no one moved. No one moved. In fact, they did get up. People would call their, their friends and say, God is here. God is in this place. And people would come in and drop down in the presence of the Lord and ask forgiveness and ask the Lord to keep moving through there. That was a time where God was pouring repentance out. Do you remember when we used to have altars that would be full of people that would come down, get on their knees, and seek the Lord's hand of forgiveness and repentance for not seeking the Lord fully like He had, like He desires? You ever remember that? You guys remember it? I do. You remember when the Word of God would penetrate your hearts and, and touch you and, and bring such conviction upon you that you would just weep in His presence and you didn't care who saw you or what it was all about. Do you remember that? I remember that. Let me tell you today, I long for those times when God's Spirit is moving so powerfully today because I want to tell you today, if this country, if the church doesn't repent, and come before God and ask Him and do whatever He wants to do. Let me tell you, what scares me to death is the fact that God may remove His hand from this country. He may remove His hand. Yes, we're born again. Don't get me wrong in what I'm saying. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. I'm just saying today, there are people around you, around in your neighborhoods, that are lost as a goose, and they don't know Jesus Christ. And that's why I started today in Walmart or H-E-B and asked the Lord, what line you want me to get in? And you and I need to witness and share and ask people today. There are people, again, that are going into Walmart March this afternoon that I know, and they'll go up and pray for people. And God has given them favor to where the managers of these big, huge buildings of Walmart is saying, thank you for praying for people in this place. You and I have the answer. It's only going to take place as you and I will worship the Lord because that's when we're transformed. We're changed today. This is very important, church. And I know you think I'm emphatic about this. Yes, I am. Because Jesus is our only hope. And I do believe He's standing at the door. The mystical activity. You know, in our corporate worship, we seek spiritual stimulation and inspiration. And, and I like that. But these are not, these obviously are good but they're, and they're helpful things, but they're not enough. That leaves worship more about us than it does God. How do I feel? How, I mean, if the preacher comes in and feeds me the word of God, then somehow, hey, it's great, but, but if he doesn't and so forth. You see, that's not what we should be focused on. We've come to meet with God. We've come to worship Him, to commune with Him. We've come to pour our lives out to Him. Obviously, worship is meant to foster incarnation, transformation, and habitation. Without these, worship remains incomplete. When we come to worship on Sundays, God is with us. Emmanuel, Emmanuel, hallelujah. Praise the name of, of the Lord. He's with us. And worship is about uh, omnipresent becoming imminent. And eminence is about awareness, sensitivity, and communion here. And let me explain it. Eminence is uh, real simple because, uh, you know, our senses here 
we're, we're about knowing he's here. Surely God is in his place. Just like there at that church when the people there on their faces just confessing and, and, and the tears and all and, and so forth and uh, calling the, their neighbors and saying, you know, God is in his place. Come over here. We need that again. We need the gift of repentance because it is a gift. We need to God. You know, there are things we deal with. If we really want to be more like Jesus, we've got to obviously come to that place of total surrender because without these, worship remains incomplete. Obviously, the awareness of God's imminent presence is the difference between a nominal worship service and a radiant worship service. Uh, I'm telling you. The three wise men, they fell down. They fell, didn't they? You know, we worried about everybody else in here. We can't have worry about what others think. We've come to worship God. I mean, how, are we pleasing unto Him? Are we just trying to please man? Are we trying to please a church or whatever or please the pastor? No. You come in here to worship Him. And I, I just ask the Spirit of God to release that spirit of worship in this place because those wise men, they fell down when they approached uh, this Jesus, hallelujah, turn over to the importance of worship with me, and we'll go through this. Thank you, Lord. Worship is meant to transform us, and worship should be a delight to us and not necessarily a duty. You know, we sometimes, well, I've been to church all my, I've been, and I was raised in the church, maybe you too, you guys. But worship is is meant to be a delight in the presence of the Lord, not a duty, not a ritual, not just coming in here thinking, does this change your thinking, what I'm talking about? Does it maybe readjust your focus here today? And worship is about being alive to God, Emmanuel, God with us. In Matthew chapter 5, it's the Bible in verse 6, it says, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, they shall be filled. Now that's the word of God. If you're hungering, you're going to obviously, something's going to happen in your life because God wants to train. We cannot stay the same, and we can't continue to do the same things the same way. I'm not telling you that we're to be different just to be different. I'm just telling you we've got to change. God doesn't change. We have to change. And the only way is entering into a realm of worship when we come together. And that's only by God's Spirit. I'm going to tell you, you can't conjure it up. You can't conjure emotionalism up. I'm not talking about emotionalism may be emotional, but I'm not talking about that. I'm focusing on encountering the living God. Amen. Amen. I am talking about that today because God Almighty is powerful. You're going to live with Him forever. Let's get used to Him. Let's love Him right where we are. Hallelujah. And uh, God is looking, listen to this, God is looking for lovers and not theologians or students. Think about that for a moment. He's looking for lovers. We have, I have degrees. I've got a degree. And I'm grateful for that. God led me into seminary. I have a business management degree also. By the grace of God. All these are by God's grace, trust me. Um, so, but he's not looking. Let me tell you, you guys have heard me say this many times before. But when I have worked in deliverance with people who are demon-possessed, are really heavily oppressed, and so forth, 
I can't go back to my seminary training and say, now, how did they teach me to deliver and so forth? There was no teaching on it to begin with. How you pray, pray for the sick and so forth, there wasn't. I had a lot of head knowledge, but very little just experiential knowledge. Perhaps you're one of those people who says, God can't use me because I don't have enough gifts or talents. I haven't even been to college. I don't even have a Bible school degree. If you are, it's time for you to change the way you're thinking and talking. It's time for you to start seeing yourself the way God does. In fact, if you feel inferior to other people, remember that God regularly calls unskilled and uneducated people. Just think of the majority of apostles from Jesus, with whom Jesus handpicked to serve at his side and to lay the foundation of the church. Those apostles were fishermen, tax collectors, common people, not theologians. God is looking to build a strong, powerful army. The soldiers of an army are rarely composed of an intellectual astute. Flavius Vegetus Renatus, who lived around 380 A.D., was the author of the most influential military book ever written for the Roman Empire. He said, look at what he says here, the type of person he makes uh, the best soldier, who makes the best soldier. Peasants are the most fit to carry arms. They are simple, content, very with little uh, inured with fatigue, and prepared in some measure for military life by their continual employment in farm work and handling the spade and digging trenches and carrying burdens. The truth is, God is looking for people who know how and are willing to pay a price, to undergo any hardship needed, to confront the power of hell, and to dig trenches and carry burdens until their assignment is completed just as God ordered it. God doesn't necessarily need the super intelligentsia of the world to get these jobs done. In fact, common people are often God's first choice because they're already equipped to a certain degree to face the challenges and difficulties of life. So if you want to be used by God and serve in His army, quit complaining that you're not as smart or sharp as someone else. Where does the Bible ever say God is looking for brains? He's looking for hearts that are willing to follow Him. If you have that kind of heart, you're exactly the kind of person God wants to use. Amen? Where does it say He's looking for brains? Where does He say that He's looking for how much... You know how many dissertations I've written? I don't see that anywhere in the Bible. He's looking for simple people, and I'll just put me in that category, like Jim Barcliffe. He's looking for people, uh, lovers and not theologians, people that will follow him and will seek him and hunger after him and thirst after him like none other. People that will shut the TV off and sit there and commune with the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you today, God is raising up this army that is powerful. Our desire for God determines the depth of His penetration into our hearts, and as a result, lifts us into His presence. And Psalm 100 is an example. We know that. We enter His gates with thanksgiving 
and into his courts with praise. We give thanks, and he opens his gates. Amen. This does not come with our own willpower, but from within us as we draw close to God in cooperation with his spirit. You want to enter the gates of the Lord and his courts, okay? Then give him praise and thanksgiving. God is not looking for a bickering church. He's not looking for a divided church. He's looking for a church that will worship him in spirit and in truth and give one way of doing that as giving thanks. One way of doing that is getting our eyes off ourselves and coming in and worshiping the living God. There is a sense of his presence when we enter his presence. And, um, and then that's about when I ask that question about hungering. I mean, I want to be in the manifest presence every day, every moment of every day. I want to commune with him every day. I don't want, I want unbroken praise before the throne of grace. God is looking for worshipers in this manner. We give thanks. He opens his gates here. Uh, there's a sense of his presence, his manifest presence. Matthew 22 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. The Western church has majored on loving God with all of their minds. We don't throw our minds out. Don't get this wrong. But he also says we worship with our hearts, does it not? With all of our strength. We worship here, we give him. You see, today, unless something comes from your mind and somehow it gets down to your heart, then it's not the revelation, obviously. It comes, starts here because revelation is meant to change us. Revelation is obviously God revealing himself, the Rema word of God. In other words, he reveals himself. Anybody know that? Because when you came to Christ, you had to have some type of revelation of Jesus. First of all, you realized that you were a sinner. When you came, you realize that obviously you had no way out of this. And then you realize, hey, Jesus is right here. And I'll just, I'll ask him into my life to forgive me of my sins because I can't carry this guilt and this shame anymore. And something, he brings you under conviction. conviction and, and then God reveals his forgiveness and you realize that it's been taken care of, that Jesus has died for us. That's that revelation that we're talking about when we enter his gates with thanksgiving into his courts with praise. You see, when we are loving the Lord in that manner with all of our hearts, minds, soul, and strength, we create a capacity to be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, which is Ephesians chapter 3. I want to be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I want to be filled up with God. How about you? I want to be filled up with the Lord. I want to be so full that I overflow onto other people I've talked about. I want God to splash all over them with all respect. I just want that. I want to walk in places and people say to me, not me, look at me necessarily, but something is different about your life. What is different about you? You know, you look at peace here. You look at troubles in a different way than I do. I'm in total turmoil and, and all, and, and they look at me and they look at you and say, you know, What's different about you? And then you'll share, I have Jesus in my life. I have the peace of God that passes all understanding. Exodus 25, 8 is about making a tabernacle. God dwells within us. We are the temple of God. God came to earth to live in a man. And then in Revelation 21, 3, we find that God comes and lives with man to dwell and to live with us. Read that passage. In Revelation chapter 21, God and man dwell together at that time. We are getting ready, church. Hallelujah. 
This is a time that's exciting. This is an exciting time of history in what God is doing. There's no longer any physical temple. We know that. Moses' tabernacle and, and, and uh, Solomon's temple and so forth. There were, the universe is his temple. The Bible says in Isaiah 11 and Habakkuk 2 that the whole earth is filled with the knowledge of his glory. You know, but our eyes are just unveiled. And my prayer is, Lord, unveil our eyes that we can see your glory. And I mentioned here a couple of weeks ago, one of our meetings there with the pastors and all, I looked across the room and I could see, and I said, Lord, what is that? What is that hanging in this room? Wasn't nobody smoking in there or anything like that. And it was like the Lord says, my glory, I'm here. And I could tell that the glory of God was touching my heart. I could feel God's presence in that place. The glory of God, the whole earth. You know, you go to Colorado and you go, man, this is glorious. This is God's glory here. This is awesome here and so forth. And you come back to Houston, and you go, where's God's glory here in Houston, okay? in the flatlands or on an uh, overpass on a 610 loop or something, you know? No. God's glory is being somehow that we are, is being hidden, but as God unveils our eyes, we see him because God wants us to see him in that way. And God told Moses, said, you can't see my, my front, I'll have to go past you. But Moses said, I want to see your glory. Now, Moses asked that, I'm asking that also, how about you? I want to see the Lord. That worship takes place. Worship creates God's dwelling place. In corporate worship, God becomes more tangible to us. You see, people coming together, we got a certain number here, and we're loving God, right? And it's kind of like God just sweeps in. God just moves in, and His tangible presence, kind of like we feel the presence of the Lord. We pray that you get prepared for that here. Uh, then rationalization wants to overcome mysticism. We try to explain everything, and if we can't explain it, we conclude it must not be God. Remember the, the five loaves and the two fishes? <laughs> Can you explain that? Can you explain some of the miracles? Everywhere Jesus went, he did nothing but one miracle after the other. He healed people. Can you explain that all those thousands had plenty to eat with just the five loaves and the two fishes? I mean, can you? I can't explain that. It's mysticism. God, and that means he's a mystery. He is God, we're not. But we try to rationalize it. We start thinking, oh, this can't be God. I mean, goodness me. His presence comes on you and touches you. This can't be God. I mean, this must be somehow, I must be really eating you know, too much pizza last night or something. Right? God is saying he wants to reveal himself. Every miracle of God, healing, deliverance, and so forth, we sometimes we rationalize it away. And we forget to give him thanks or so forth. We are to facilitate filling people with God and not building with not buildings with people. No matter how big or small, I want you to hear this. We are to take what Jesus has given us, no matter how big or small. And Jesus said, go and make disciples. We have converts. If you need Jesus today, would be the day just ask him to come in your life. He wants to love you and he wants to forgive you. He wants to wash you clean. But the Bible says, Jesus is given a great commission, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching to observe all things, lo, I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Go and make disciples, he's saying today. He's saying today, obviously, we are to facilitate filling people with God, not necessarily buildings with people, no matter how big or small, be faithful. No matter how big Lighthouse Fellowship gets, no matter how small we get, be faithful to what God has given you. 
If you feel like you have no gifts and no talents, use what God has given you and watch God begin to grow that in your life and my life. This is a worship time. This is who God is. He works in the miraculous. And just having a stimulating worship experience is not enough. The priority is whether or not we encounter God. We're changed in His presence. Many times we focus on ourselves. It's not about us. It's about God. We should not leave the building the same way that we came in. We need to be changed. And we become more like Jesus when we worship. Some people stay home. They feel bad. Nothing wrong. When you're not feeling good, don't. You don't. And don't, don't receive this word the wrong way. But sometimes just the fact, I just don't. Many people today out here in this community on 3rd Street, enough people to pack this church out. And they go, I don't want to come in and worship together. Okay. Uh, don't take this the wrong way. Individual and corporate worship is what they need. Coming in to the manifest presence of the Lord. Emmanuel, God with us. And he's doing great and mighty things. Does any of this make sense? Anybody have any questions? Anybody, any questions? Can we, can we have some questions? I believe somebody has a question. Anybody? About this, don't be. All questions are welcomed. Any questions about this? Does it make sense? Is it biblical? <laughs> He's looking for worshipers. And he wants to come into the church house in a powerful way. I don't care how he comes. I don't care. I do not care. I just want him more than I want anything else in this world because I realize he's the only answer. And as long as I put restrictions on him and just say, you got to do it my way, you got to do it the way the denomination says, or the way the church says, or the way this one says and that said, then he just says, wait a minute. I'm God and you're not. I, we need God. I'm telling you. And we talk about Emmanuel, God with us. He's here right now. So I thank the Lord. Praise Him. So, Father, thank you. We want to be worshipers of God, and the only thing we can do is just ask you, help us. Make us worshipers. Change our hearts, oh God. Come, Holy Spirit, in power in this place, in our private worship with you, but also corporately. Move in this place. Anybody here who doesn't know Jesus, never accepted Christ, needs forgiveness. Today is the day. Just give your heart to him and, and, and testify to his goodness. And dear God, today we just ask you changes. We worried about what people think more than we are about what you think. Forgive us. We repent of that. And I ask you to come in power in this church. And we thank you. Bless this church. Bless each one. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.